0: Last couple episodes, Laura and I have been sharing little bits and pieces of our story: how we met, how we went to dance. She danced for somebody else, and then we went to college. We kept in touch, we were friends, and then we got up to like we're in college, and we finally started dating. We'd written many letters back and forth to each other. We called. I had pursued Laura for years, and she finally gave in
1: be a little clear there were some (laughs) detours on your pursuit (laughs) Uh, it wasn't like I was your tractor beam (laughs) there might have been a few uh uh, distractions (laughs) let's say
0: (laughs) let's not say that (laughs) so we finally started dating right right kind of about graduation time which probably not the smartest thing to do big life changes and you know yeah but we started dating and and then shortly after we started we stopped and you dated somebody else yeah so did i well, but detours the, right detours but the cool thing is is somehow we started talking again and uh december 20th 1996 december
1: 20th 1996 i, I remember like it was yesterday
0: I flew back to San Diego for Christmas and you and I were kind of talking again and we had broken up with our significant others that we had dated for all of like 3 months. I
1: mean it's like a when Harry met Sally kind of thing of like we were never available when totally. the other was available. Yeah. And yeah, we were both available on December 20th. I remember saying, would you like me to pick you up on the, uh, we were on the phone. I said, would you like me to pick you up from the airport? I said, yes. Yes. And and it was like, okay, I was nervous to see you because we had kind of this dramatic breakup. And I was like, you know, I'm sorry. I don't want to play with your heart kind of thing. You know, I'm, I'm damaged goods for a little while. Don't, don't reach out. Don't talk to me. I got to get some things straight. And I, 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 make this offer. He takes me up on it to pick him up from pick you up from the airport. And it's December twentieth, nineteen ninety six. I'm standing at the jetway. This is when you used to be able to meet people at the gate, right? And I might have even parked right in front, right? Like I don't know the parking. Who knows? Maybe so on reme- the sidewalk. I don't remember the parking situation. But I saw you coming out uh, off the jetway. You're coming up, kind of towards me, and you're a head taller than everybody else. And I see you for the first time, but like I've seen you for a thousand times before that. But as soon as I see you, I I might have even said under my breath or out loud of like, oh no, I think I really love him. Like, oh, what do I do now? Because I've done this whole thing of like, I don't wanna I don't wanna toy with your emotions anymore. I need to be more responsible with this. And then all of a sudden now I actually feel a sense of love, so I don't know I if I'm being feel. crazy or what. And so, a year later, on the same day, December twentieth, nineteen ninety-seven,
0: we got hitched.
1: Uh, another jetway situation. And there
0: was a ramp involved. <laughs> and I, but I was waiting for you.
1: Walk down the aisle to you.
0: That's true, and you looked <laughs> way better than I did on my jetway.
1: <laughs> I don't know. You looked pretty happy. <laughs> I always love your smile.
0: Well, thanks. Thank you for listening to Homebound Veterans Season 4, Episode 6 with Errol Dobler. We really appreciate your support of our podcast, not really because we need it, but because the stories that we are sharing are powerful. This is Part 2 of our interview with Errol Dobler, the author of The Process, Art, and Science of Leadership. Enjoy this episode with Errol.
2: I do talk about identity a lot, right? What do you identify yourself with? So, and, and as far as transitioning veterans, you know, here it is. So I was in the SEAL teams, okay, and then all of a sudden I wasn't. I planned on staying in, and I got injured, and then I'm out. And now I'm driving cross-country, and who am I? Yeah. And the point I make to people is be careful what you identify yourself with because if it could be taken away from you, yeah. don't identify yourself with that. Yeah. Because wow. what's the point? So one of the – I give a very hard example – And I I kind of do this every time I give it, but even identifying yourself as a parent, um, be careful because, you know, my sister died uh, several years ago and, you know, my parents to this day, you'll not tell them we are not my sister's parents. They are, but the fact of the matter is she's gone, okay? Mm -hmm. And if that's what your identity lies in and then all of a sudden that's taken away from you, what then? Now, What can you identify yourself with? You can identify yourself as a leader. Nobody can take that away from you. And then you lead your children, right? You become the best parent because your identity makes that thing you do even better. You can identify yourself as a person of love and compassion, right? Nobody can take that away from you. You can identify and that will make you better. It's a behavioral guideline like I talk about. It Didn't change the way you made market and sold your widget. Your widget could be parenting because that can be taken away from you, as tragic as that reality is. So to those transitioning veterans, okay, if you are now on your way out, or you got out and you're listening to this, and I hope you are, identify yourself with something that can't be taken away from you, and something that will make you a better parent, husband, wife, brother, sister, whatever it is, right? You don't have to identify yourself as that thing. Identify yourself, I think, as a behavior, because, that will, I think, help any transition, right? Well, I never identified myself as a signalman second class, even though I loved it. You know, I always identified myself as a person who gives as much as they can to others. Well, you could do that anywhere, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You could do that anywhere. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I don't. That's a hard pill to swallow. But I, you know, what are your, I don't know what your thoughts on that are, but it's.
1: I've never thought of it that way, and I think it's brilliant. <laughs> I really do. I think it's it's,
2: it's 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 accurate, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's hard because I am we are parents. Like mm-hmm. that's why that example. I just I smack people in the face with it, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I, I actually sit up at night and go, boy, I hope I don't have to <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to eat my own words someday, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, but then I, but then I, I I go back and say no no no, it doesn't mean I don't love being a parent. It doesn't mean it's not one of the most important things I do in my life. Mm-hmm. It's just. I want to be this person that will make me a better parent. Mm-hmm. So,
1: I, what what stands out to me about what you just said is about power, and mm-hmm. it's about personal power. And it's power is a word we have a hard time with in this um, country. I don't know internationally, but we typically do because we I think we have a misunderstanding of power. We see it as something we exert okay. um, on to others, right? right. Um, but I think what you're talking about is. The, the, the only power that exists and that we're able to gain is our own personal power. Yep. And what you're talking about, because all the other stuff is fictitious and fleeting, and as you said. Yeah. Um, and what you're talking about is um, owning what you can own and doing it well. And that is, I think, the best definition of, of power.
2: Oh, I that's I, that's beautiful because it because it is. I mean, and what is is there anything more powerful in an individual that you've met, who just appears to have total control over themselves and their surroundings, right. or at least how they deal with their surroundings? Right, right? Exactly. exactly. Those are the most. Pe- those are the people. You're like, whoa, how do I get with that person? Right. Mm-hmm. It's not, and it's never, like you said, it's never how they're exerting their power on right. people. Mm-hmm. It's just how they're presenting themselves to the world, and those are the you know, those are the best leaders. The, um, you know, it's, it's so funny because I tell people, I tell leaders who complain to me about how do I get their people to love their job more. Right. And this might be important for, yeah. uh, transitioning vets, right. Who will be put in an immediate management role. And all of a sudden right. they're like, where's the pride, mm-hmm. right. Where's the <laughs> you know, that whole thing. Right. And, and my, my response to them is what do you care? Mm-hmm. Now I say that to people and everybody goes, <gasps> But everybody should love their job and we should have, you know. No, we, you have no control over what people think about their job. Like we started this thing in the beginning. Some people take a job because they need a job. Mm-hmm. And their love of job does not trump their need to make money. But what you can create is an environment people will love. Mm-hmm. How do you create an environment people love? Through all the things we just oh. talked about. Right. The intention that you bring to what you're doing, the spirit that's around you, that when you don't get when you're not exerting your power, when you are just presenting a powerful self that that inspires other people just to be around you. You know, those are the those are the things that matter. Those will be the things that matter to that transitioning leader from the military who just can't understand why they took this job. As a copier salesman manager, and why doesn't everybody just want to live and die by this copier company? Because you know, they don't care, man. They don't care. Yeah. But they do care about the environment. They do care about the environment that they walk into every day, that it's predictable, that it's fair, and all of those things. It's
0: funny, like my, my daughters, Laura and I, we, we, during COVID, maybe even a little before, we binge watched The Office. And I love that show and it's, you know, and all the, like, it's just so dysfunctional and yet it's so endearing. And I, I think one of the reasons why it is so popular is for those reasons, right? Is, is as ludicrous as Michael Scott is, he's endearing and people want to be part of something that, that they feel connected to. Mm -hmm. And they, and, you know, I think in the military, we, we build up I know I did as I after I left the military, I built up in my mind the you know how much I loved it and and but if i if I was honest with myself going back there were there was a lot of it. I left because I was not happy, right yeah uh, yeah and and so're where i'm going with this is is we're looking for utopia and and it is so important to understand the the essential like how much we want to feel connected with what we're doing all day long. Um, mm-hmm. And yet at the end of the day, it's going to be dysfunctional and it's not going to be utopia. We're going to get upset and we're going to get frustrated. How, how in, in your experience and, and you know, with, with the concepts and the process that you've outlined in your book, how does one deal with those moments?
2: Yeah, it's very simply, right? Uh, mission accomplishment is the mission, not neat and tidy. Okay, that's it. Uh, if we're expecting neat and tidy and everything, you just get over it. I don't know what else to say to you, right? And sometimes that's Unless all. That's sometimes
1: conversation 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't know what you're because, talking about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, well look, that, and that's the benefit of our experience, right? Because 20 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to tell you this. <laughs> I'd have been like, suck it up, what are you leaving for? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or whatever I would have said. Right. But that that's thats really it. That's, that's an important thing. That's why we talk about contingencies. That's why we, we, we make plans For success, and we lead with that. We don't lead with the things that can go wrong, right? I I get those people all the time. Well, these are all the things that can go wrong. So hold on with those. Mm -hmm. Let's just let's let's identify the things that, if we did, we have mission success. And then let's talk about some contingencies, right? And you talk about contingencies because they're inevitable. Um, And you know this is why. Additionally, you know, combat to the boardroom to the kitchen table. It's the same thing. What's the environment as a transitioning vet, right? Because we want to stay on point. What's the environment now you're going to create at home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about that for a second. Because it, we get in the military, you know, Keith, I think you just, you hit the nail on the head. We we, we rewrite history when we leave the military, right? Oh, it's just the, the people are the one. Everybody is great. Oh, everybody. Well, no, not everybody's great. <laughs> Lots of people are pretty jammed up right and and it's a massive bureaucracy and you wonder how we can even fight war sometimes with you know but uh, you know so those things those things are real but when we're transitioning out of that very predictable environment and i think that's why people love the military look it's there's a lot to it i get it but it's a predictable environment we're we're very we're very confident in what's going to happen and what behaviors are expected of us that makes it good it's easy to go to work every day but what environment are we creating at the kitchen table, right? That And I struggle with that all the time, right? Not that I don't know what I want it to be, but when you are constantly aware of your culture, your personal culture, so as I'm sitting at the table and my kids are just not behaving well at all and my wife is doing what she does, patience galore, right? And then staring at me from across the table like, hello, <laughs> snap out of it, jerky. And I'm like... How did how do I actually make my living helping people with this and then walk downstairs and get it wrong? Well, because it's not always right, it's not always easy. And and is I call it we call it the refractory period, right? It's okay to make those mistakes. How long are you staying inside of that mistake? Is the, is the key question, and are you beating yourself up after you get out of that mistake? So the refractory period needs to be very short. Because right? we need to have awareness. Oh, I just did this, and look what I've just created. All right, give myself a break, a little grace, forgive yourself, tell everybody you're sorry, and now move on. So the environment is just is very important, and I think it's a very important piece for the transitioning veterans. Remember, you, your environment, your life that you created at home, that's, that still needs to happen. And it's something is going to happen with you or without you being present emotionally and physically so probably be present emotionally create that environment that you're looking for and that helps yeah
1: the last question i have is tell me about the the importance of linking a may, maybe like a personal weakness to an intention do you avoid that or do you encourage that like if you have some intentions and what i'm 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 using those as the behaviors that you were talking about what kind of person you want to be leads yeah. to your intentions Um, the, uh, explain the connection between then your own maybe blind sides or personal weaknesses.
2: Yeah, I think, I think it's, it'll be different for everybody, right? Because we've all got, like you said, blind spots and and things like that. And we need to to uncover those blind spots. First, we need that self-reflection and then we need somebody else to help us, right? I'm not feeling right. And I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Can you help me? Like, yeah, dummy, you're doing this. Um, But, but that aside, I, I would say for me personally, and I would say for most people who I've worked with, uh, that the things you are successful in spite of are the things that we need to concentrate on. I get all the things like accentuate your mm. your, your positives. And we do that naturally. If we are a gregarious person, what, are we going to not be gregarious? Everybody loves it. We're going to do it. Okay. It's good to acknowledge that you you're, you're good at that. But what are the aspects of that? good stuff that you are successful in spite of. Well, I can be gregarious, but then sometimes I get a little sarcastic and cutting. Mm-hmm. Now, people generally like me because it's overwhelmingly positive, but every now and then I can really slash somebody and not even realize it. I think I need to I need to focus on that. I think that's a behavior to say, I am not going to do these things. You know what I mean? And I think that 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 one behavior that you find that you are successful in spite of if you work at doing the opposite of that, that's just going to have massive ripple effects. So for from my standpoint and going through my process, as hard as it is, and I try to tell people, look, this is not about beating ourselves up and all the bad things we do. It's about saying, what am I doing that is keeping me from being my best? Now, let's just kind of flip it on its head and just see how that works. So I, I, I personally attack, like to attack the weaknesses and then, you know, at a minimum mitigate them. And if we can, we can typically we, we can typically turn it around, right? I am sarcastic and cutting. Well, what's the o- opposite of sarcastic and cutting? Uplifting and encouraging. Let's try that. That's a pretty good behavior. If I did that, would I be yeah. better at
1: everything? I, you know, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So let's try to Let's see what we can do with that. Because I, I wonder how many you take on.
2: <laughs> how many well, do no, you, capacity? Just one no, one no, on. good. That's a great question. <laughs> don't because I I'll, I'll get people like okay I've got fifteen. I'm like stop. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's just stop let's pick one all right we're not trying to let's just pick one because one will be fine trust me one one behavior that you acknowledge honestly and without judgment that is really holding you back you start working on that one The the benefits are going to just far out exceed beyond your imagination so one or two and that's it you you talk about metacognition in your book
0: and and Mm -hmm. i really that resonated with me I'd like you to explain what that is for our listeners and then um, how how metacognition may uh, actually positively impact the transitioning veterans process and, and yeah. uh, how that goes.
2: Metacognition, right? Think about what you're thinking about, have a feeling about what you're feeling, being literally outside of yourself and watching. Um, and, and so think of it this way. If you were at a friend's wedding, right? The videographer had you, everybody, and then you saw the, the playback and you saw yourself dancing and you're like, oh boy, I got to take that move out of the arsenal. That was no good, right? That's just a form of metacognition, right? If you could see yourself, you would make adjustments, okay? Now, it's easier said than done, but like anything else, it's a skill that needs to be practiced. And when it's practiced, it becomes innate in you and you can start catching yourself when you're hitting those behaviors, when you, start, um, when you start living your personal culture, okay? So if you have metacognition, if you are thinking about what you're thinking about, if you have a feeling about how you're feeling, if you are watching what you're doing, you'll be able to make the adjustments to what you want. Now, the reason this is important is because my process, you know, the, the five-step process, which you literally, when you practice it, you go through each step, lightning speed. But it's the very same process that that um, the brain goes through to rewire itself for positive change. It all starts with an awareness of your emotions and then how you're acting on them. The science tells us when we have just start with the awareness. Wow, I didn't realize how angry I get. I didn't realize how frustrated I get, and then I act this way. Your brain is already starting to make new connections. You're already starting to rewire yourself, and then and only then when you start to say, now I want to behave in this way, you choose a behavior, and then you make a plan, right? The brain is now paying attention. It's saying, okay, now I'm paying attention. And every time you think to yourself, oh, that's not how I wanted to behave because I am practicing metacognition. I caught myself, I wanted to behave this way. What was my plan to do this? Now the brain is literally rewiring itself, okay? Now, why do we, have missteps why do we have that little person on the shoulder saying no this is not you you're lying to yourself you're being inauthentic right well it's it's because it's really hard to rewire your brain and it's just your brain being neurochemically addicted to previous behaviors as we mentioned earlier that you've done over and over and over and over again and the brain doesn't even care that what you're doing now is better for you it just wants to be comfortable in where it was Okay, even if that place is bad, right? Think about, and I don't use these, these analogies lightly, think about the drug addict. Okay, the drug addict is chemically addicted to a substance. The drug addict wants to get off that substance, right? By and large, let's look at the positive, right? Says, this is no good for my life yet. I'm going to do it. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a chemical addiction to something. So we have the same neurochemical addictions to emotions and the actions they drive. So if we practice metacognition, all the things we just said, and then we are aware of it, and then we understand that it's really hard because we're rewiring our brain and we have this chemical addiction um, to a certain behavior or emotion, we can give ourselves some grace, right? And say, okay, it's just, it's hard to do. Forgive myself for that. I'll back on track, back on track. So that's, that's kind of metacognition uh, in a nutshell and how it relates to the process that I
0: yeah. And, you know, it's funny as you um, as you explain in the book and, and how it relates to, you know, the multitasking concept. Um, and you even said, you know, you can do one thing great or two things poorly mm-hmm. um, and how how turbulent the transition is for someone leaving the service. Um, and, you know, often that involves a move. Uh, geographical move not just a career move um, and yep. the family if there's a family involved they're moving too. they're finding new schools new friends with the veteran and their family as they're as they're in this turbulent time chaotic time there's a lot of multitasking and it's and yep. it's just like one fire to the next and the thing that I love about this concept of being aware of our of our thoughts our emotions and handling those in a in a healthy way um means that we will do what what the task at hand is we'll do it well um, instead of doing everything poorly. And yeah. uh, and I think this is so important it, even in these turbulent times, slow down yeah. um, and and you know, focus. I I had a quick sea story. I had uh, I'm a fireman now and we had a one night we had a, a fire, uh, a house fire, and we pulled up to it and there's flames coming out the windows. And, you know, I jump off the, the rig and I'm immediately thinking of all the things that I have to do before we make entry into the house. Um, you know, I got to get the forceful entry tools. I got to get my mask on. I've got to, you know, obviously I'm pulling the hose off the rig as I'm thinking through all the things that I have to do five steps ahead. And I called for water from the engineer. And the next thing I know, I looked back and I had done a horrible job of, yeah. of laying that hose out and preparing for entry. And my captain came up and he was like, what happened? And I, I had done a poor job because I had been thinking, thinking of too many things, too many things. And, and this is why it's so important because in this, in this time, like I was saying, it's so chaotic. It feels like, it feels like things are burning. And if we don't handle them immediately and, and, you know, and take care of, of all these tasks, we're going to fail. And, and the fact is, is we will, unless we really focus on, on one or two things and and do them well. We,
2: we, we will fail. And, and, this is why again everything comes back to the emotion. Because you'll if you're in the middle of something, right? And that's a great example, right? This is real world. You're you're in a fight of fire. And you feel something's wrong. But right? you I know you felt it. I don't even have to ask you. I know you felt something was wrong. Yeah. Okay. And you say, What is wrong? You will quickly identify, I'm doing too many things. What am I doing right now? And then in somewhere in your mind, you're going go, No, but I need to be thinking of all these things because it's life or death. And, you know, in the the SEAL teams, right, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Um, And this is what we're trying to teach our kids with with schoolwork and things like that. And I promise you, when when you feel like you have to do everything at once, if you just stop and say, what am I doing right now? Mm -hmm. Finish that and say, what's next? You will be going so much faster and getting things done so much more efficiently. It almost doesn't seem... Like it's possible, like it's fair. Like, no, that was an aberration. Uh, and it's not. It's just, it's just the way it is. But yeah. we, have, we have conditioned our minds to think, well, we're not really doing anything unless we're doing a bunch of things. No, no, that's, that's wrong. Yeah, It's just wrong.
0: Yeah, and one, one method that you talk about throughout the book is the, the Wim Hof method mm-hmm. and, and how applying this I- into your chaotic moments um, will help you actually reduce chaos, will help you slow down, think. Uh, so explain the Wim Hof method to us and how it applies to this process.
2: Yeah, th- this is this is almost my favorite part, right? Because there's a way to practice these things. How do you practice leadership? How do you practice metacognition? How do you practice without suffering the consequence of your actions, right? Leadership, you have to, there's, there's obviously some on the job stuff. You have to do things, you have to learn. But that said, there's plenty to practice. So when we talk about how do you maintain focus on one thing, how do you drown out the noise around you and still maintain your focus? Well, the Wim Hof method, Wim Hof is the name of a person and he developed his method. He's kind of a Dutch extreme athlete for lack of a better term. But what he came out with was to the scientific community, he said, "You you are shortchanging us. You have taken us away from what we are able to do for ourselves how we're able to heal ourselves, how we're able to make ourselves sick, right? And you have convinced us now, medical community, that we need your pills. And I'm here to tell you that we don't. All we need is our breathing, and we need some cold exposure. Now, what does this mean? Right? I could go on. We could go on for days with this, but I will use it to leadership. When you get into an ice bath, all right, a lot of things happen right? Physiologically, your body goes immediately into fight or flight response. Get me out of here. What is this? This is stupid. This is crazy, right? You get the vasoconstriction. It's your body telling you, get out. It's giving you pain, right? So it's speaking to you. That's the noise of our environment, if you if you use the analogy. So if I say I can teach you, or if you practice the Wim Hof method, and you get into an ice bath, 32 degrees, and you recognize those initial moments of stress that you'll get, right? You'll breathe in, you'll lose, you know, all that stuff. And then you'll be start thinking those things. I got to get out of here. This is stupid. How much longer, right? All the, all the external thoughts that are negative, by the way. And all of a sudden you focus on finding your breath and you begin to slow your breath down. And because you begin to slow your breath down, you stop shaking and your body moves into literally a rest and digest state, right? Parasympathetic. All right. That's possible, that is doable, I do it every day. Now, what what is this, what are we talking about now? How does this relate? How do you practice awareness? How do you practice um, metacognition? How do you practice identifying your emotions? How do you practice identifying the things you do under stress, okay? My answer to you is, act with intention, getting into an ice bath. Say, before I get in, I'm gonna identify my emotions because I can promise you this, before you get into an ice bath, you will have an emotion. And then if your intention getting into the ice bath is, now I'm going to identify my emotions in the ice bath. Okay? You're going to have more emotions. And now the more you do this, the more you are drilling yourself, you are practicing metacognition, learning your emotions, or learning what you're doing. Okay? Then you, and, and for each element of the leadership process, you can do the same thing. What do do? I want to know how I behave. I want to. I want to be more aware of how I behave. Get into an ice bath, okay. Before you get in, look at what you're doing. You're going to start walking around in circles, procrastinating. You're going to check your watch. You're going to readjust. You're going to do something other than. Did I just get an email? Let me just check that, right? I I hear the phone ringing. Earthquake, right? You will do something to slow that process down, okay? Generally speaking, because you just will. That will be a glimpse into how you handle other things you don't want to do in your life Mm. just whether they're the mundane or whether there's something that's really important that you have some fear of doing okay but now you're getting a window into yourself all right and it goes on and on with each element so i use the ice bath for my leadership practices as a tool to practice these elements Mm. right so to practice understanding what you're doing And how you're feeling. Because you can't hide from the cold. I am all about breathing and meditation. I'm a huge practitioner. But even I'll tell you, sometimes I'm meditating, sometimes I'm breathing, and my mind is wandering. Okay? And then I get done, and I'm like, ah, that wasn't so great. But off I go. Here's what you can't do in the cold. You can't hide from the cold. Your (laughs) mind can't just wander in the cold. You are either going to be screaming, get me out of here in your mind, or literally. Okay? And then acting the fool or you are going to focus your intention on staying calm. You can't hide. Uh, and that's why it's such a great tool. Uh, and I don't know if that is the answer you were looking for, but that's the answer I give. <laughs> no,
0: it's great. And, you know, honestly, I think people need to actually read your book to really understand how it relates completely to the process. But um, I have there's, I'm baby steps right now. Uh, one, you challenged uh, people to just take five minutes and meditate every day and just focus on breathing. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've, I've started taking just cold showers. And so I'm, I'm taking that breath work into the cold shower. It's easy to do now cause it's still hot, uh, right. <laughs> you know, and certainly in a few months, that'll be a little more of a challenging, uh, scenario, but the, the breath work and just taking that five minutes. And, and as my mind starts to stray, bringing it back to the breath, That's work. right. And, um, and then that discipline, Taking that into now the cold shower when I'm like, okay, I, I just want to get out of here. Instead, it's like, okay, focus on my breath work and right. actually stay in here and and be in this moment.
2: That's right. And that's, and that's why, so meditation for people who are listening, why is it important? Because everything you've just heard us talk about now, we've been talking about kind of being in the moment and awareness. Yeah. Again, how do you practice that? Well, when you meditate, meditation by definition is nothing more than an awareness of where your mind is. So if you are trying to focus on your breath or one thing and your mind wanders and you catch it and you bring it back, you're meditating. Congratulations. And eventually, the more you practice it, the better you'll get at staying in that one spot. How does that apply to real life? Well, we just told you one thing at a time, right? Not multitasking. So when your mind moves away from that one thing you're doing and you recognize it, bring it back, you're going gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna to uh, get better. The other thing is, and this is applicable to this audience, right? Transitioning vets, last 20 years at war, PTSD, okay? Mm. And I'll give a quick shout out to cold exposure Wim Hof method and PTSD. Mm. PTSD is nothing more than reliving a past experience of stress, okay? Mm. And reliving it over and over and over again. When that happens, the inflammation fills our body, okay? Inflammation now is the key driver To every disease out there. I don't know that there's one anymore where they don't say inflammation is not a driver. To include depression, which Mm -hmm. leads to all these awful things that we're seeing some of our vets, you know, do. Suicide rates and things like that, okay? So, yeah, but I exercise, I eat right, I even meditate sometimes. Good, good start. Those things are shown to get rid of inflammation. But you can't, here's one thing you can't do. You can't out-exercise the stress. You can't out-eat the stress. You can't out-meditate the stress. Because until you get, until you can flush your body of that inflammation, until you can reset your nervous system, and that's what the Wim Hof Method helps you do, literally reset your nervous system through breath and cold exposure. Science. This is not hippie propaganda. (laughs) Wim Wim Hof doesn't do anything without a team of scientists following him around now. So now it's science. We say you can manipulate your autonomic nervous system to... Relieve the effects of stress, i.e., the inflammation. You got to look into it, right? You have to look into it. Um, yeah. And then, you know, anybody who's listening is like, I need to hear more. You know, I'm sure in your show notes or whatever, you'll know, hear my uh, my website. Just contact me because that's something I really like to help veterans with. You know, because it's all it is it's just it's a series of thinking negative thoughts over and over again, just justified or not. It doesn't. It's not judgment, right? It's just, that's what's happening. So until we can start rewiring that and then doing something for ourselves physiologically to remove all that inflammation, which is causing that severe depression, and then that road we go down. So Wim Hof Method.
0: Yeah. Errol, this has been a very engaging conversation, I know, for Laura and for me. Um, I appreciate your time. Before we wrap up, I would love to give you the floor... To, uh, to just share anything that we we haven't talked about already.
2: Well, we talked about a lot. We had a lot. We did. We had a lot yeah, we had, we covered a lot. And so, look, I would say if there's one thing to take away, at least from my perspective, and, and I believe it's accurate, an accurate perspective, um, start with emotions and intention. Right. It's just a place to start, okay? If you're constantly thinking about how you're feeling, okay, without judging yourself, okay, and then saying, let me let me let me do everything with a little bit of intention that is the beginning to any self-improvement right and if we as we're transitioning veterans we are trying to improve ourselves now in our new life okay and if we understand the emotions i'm frustrated i'm i'm, I'm not worthy i am whatever it is you're feeling good the acknowledgement will help okay and then all right, this new thing, this intention, I'm going to go into it with humility. I'm going to go into it with a positive attitude, understanding that it's different, not better or worse, just different. So I would, I would say that's what I would try to leave people with as a start, if you're going to take something away from this.
0: Perfect. Well, Errol, uh, before you go downstairs and enter the chaos, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to wish you luck. And uh, also, thank you so much for your time uh, and for sharing uh, these thoughts with us. And uh, we appreciate it. I look forward to getting this out there. Um, You're uh, obviously the founder of Leader 193 and the author of the book, The Process, Uh, Art and Science of Leadership. And uh, yeah, we just appreciate what you're doing. And um, thank you. Yeah, thanks well, for I appreciate what us.
2: you all are doing and, and keep it up. It's a great show and it, it does a lot of people good and it will never go out of style. So thank, thank you. you for what you all are doing. You and Laura, thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Homebound Veterans season four, episode six with Errol Dobler. We really appreciate your support of our podcast. Not really because we need it, but because the stories that we are sharing are powerful
1: and if you're, if you're finding that they're powerful for you and or your loved ones, please do share that, but also share in this experience with us by contributing and being donors and um, not only make, making recommendations of who we could interview, but join us in this so that we can continue to build these stories, which are so valuable to share and put out there in the world for people to know and understand.
0: Absolutely, and while you're sharing it, enjoy a cup of Stash Coffee. It's amazing. and enter Homebound Vet one five for a fifteen percent discount. Thanks to Parallel Stereo for the music you're listening to right now. You can find them on Spotify. And until next time, be well.
1: Own your journey.